All right, folks, we're in lesson seven, so I hope everybody's got a sheet. We're going to look at Paul's second prayer. So he's already prayed one prayer. We saw that in chapter one after he praised God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit for what they did in redemption. Then he talked about praying for them. He then goes on, of course, in chapter two and talks about salvation, its implications for you and I, and you and I being a part of a new body. And then he talks about the mystery. So now he's going to reflect on that and pray again, okay? He's going to pray for some certain things for us that we need to be aware of. And that's what we're going to look at today, okay? So we're going to start with verse 14 through verse 21. And it's a familiar passage for some of you, especially verse 20 and 21. And uh, so let's look at this together, starting with verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church, by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. All right, so here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to kind of break it up into three sections. We're going to talk about Paul's response to grace. We're going to see that in verses 14 to 15. Then we're going to look at Paul's prayer. That's verses 16 through 19. And then we're going to look at Paul's doxology. Okay? Doxology. Now, has anybody ever heard that word before? The doxology? We, sometimes they'll say, let's sing the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessed. All right, that's about as good a singing as I'm going to get, okay? And, uh, but a doxology is kind of a closing benediction or prayer, okay? Usually a praise. Paul has several in his letters. There's probably about three. This is one of the three doxologies. And it's a very important one, and it's one that I would encourage you to, well, as we get through it, you'll see why it's important, because it says something about God that oftentimes we need to know. So let's take a look here. First of all, Paul's response to grace. We're going to see that in verses 14 and 15. So again, he starts off verse 14 with that same statement, for this reason. So what's he talking about here? Is he talking about the mystery that he just talked about earlier in chapter 3? Well, all right, so here's the point. After explaining the mystery, Paul once again makes the statement for this reason. So this is a transition point, okay? So he's transitioning again. It reflects on his discussion of our salvation 
and the unity between Jew and Gentile in the church. So he's reflecting back on what he wrote in chapter 2. Because wouldn't you agree what he wrote in chapter 2 about our salvation and about us being a part of a new community? Wouldn't you say that's very important? Would you agree with that? That it had nothing to do with us, it was by faith alone, okay? So he's reflecting back on that, and that's going to result in him wanting to do something, okay? As he thinks about that, reflecting back on that, he wants to do something. So because of the grace of salvation, Paul, Paul bowed his knees in prayer to the Father of Jesus Christ. Now, this is significant. Now, for you and I, we've been raised in a culture where we just assume that if you're going to pray, you're going to get down on your knees and pray, right? Okay? There really is no proper way to pray in the Scripture. So let me just go ahead and say that. Scripture doesn't say, bow your knees. Well, Paul says he's bowing his knees here. Well, it's significant because that is a form of humility before God. But typically, Jews... Paul, would you say, is a very devout Jew, okay? When they prayed, they were standing, typically with their arms raised up, okay? But here, because of his reflection on grace, salvation, being a part of a new community, he wanted to humble himself before God. Okay, so it's a physical action that expresses his humility because of what? What Jesus did in salvation, okay? What Jesus did in salvation. So, the phrase, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth, okay, so he's going to pray to God, from whom the whole family, what is he talking about? The whole family in heaven and on earth. What is he talking about? He's talking about God here. But what he's referring to is, refers to the to creation. Everything is created. Heaven and earth is created by one. Who? God. In three persons. And so he's going to give praise to the God who is the one over creation. So God, Jesus, Paul, excuse me, Paul is praying to God who is the father of all creation in heaven and on earth. So we know him as a father, right? We know him as the heavenly father. Typically, most unsafe people, do they know him as father? No, no. But technically, he is their father. Why? Yeah, because he's their creator. Now, we have a different level of relationship with him because we're his children through Jesus Christ, okay? So what we see here is he's going to praise God who is the God who is the father of all creation in heaven and on earth, okay? Now, here's what Paul's prayer is, and this is where we're going to spend some time, okay? Paul is asking, asking that God would grant them certain things according to the riches of his glory. So he's going to bring up Four things here. He's going to ask that God grant the Ephesians, and I would go and say, you and I, 
four things according to the riches of his glory. Now that phrase, riches of his glory, is used often in the New Testament. And so it's, it's basically reflecting, reflecting on the resources of God, that God has unlimited resources from which he can do things. And so he wants him to um, basically do things for them out of the richness of who God is and what he's able to do for you and I. So we're going to take these one at a time. The first one we find in verse 16. Look with me at verse 16. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. So what he's talking about is that you and I be strengthened in the inner man. That you and I be strengthened in the inner man. Now what do you think he means by inner man? Okay, Rob, what, you're kind of... Spirit, okay, your spirit, okay. What else, anybody else? What do you think he means by your inner man? Okay, your soul, yeah, that's possible, yes. What else? Yeah, or, or even your conscious self, okay? All right, because everybody knows that when you're here, there's your outward man, right? What's your outward man? Yeah, your body expressions, your language, how you interact, you know, interacting with people either in a happy way or an angry way, you know what I'm saying? So... Uh, that, that's your outer man. Now, your inner man, what are we talking about when we say your inner man? Yeah, who you are, your soul, your spirit, who you are, because here, you're sitting here and there are some outward actions right now, but you're also sitting here and in your inner man, you might be smiling, but in your inner man, yeah, your true feelings, you might be miserable. You might be hurting. It's your inner man, like when you say, you know, your inner man is what gives you the umption or the gumption to do anything, right? Or to press on. So he's wanting you to be strengthened in your inner man. So he's going to ask for this according. So he prayed that believers would be strengthened with might in their inner man. That you would be strengthened in your inner man. Okay, because here's the thing. Would everybody agree that we go through stuff? Okay. Does everybody know the stuff that we're going through? But you do. Well, God does, yes, of course, the Lord would, okay. But you're going through stuff. You're having to face the stuff, the inner you has to face it, the inner you has to carry it, but we're good at what? Our outer man, we can look really good. Yeah, hey, everything, I'm doing okay. How's it going? Oh, man, fantastic, super, you know what I'm saying? And, and we're like, yeah, but how are you really doing? On the inside, you're caving in, you're crashing, you're burning, you're, you're like, oh my goodness, I don't know how I can do this, you know what I'm saying? And and, and the reality is, is that who you really are is who you keep to yourself. You reveal that sometimes with people, but not always. But 
It's your inner man. So he's praying that you would be strengthened in your inner man because you're facing things that other people may not be facing. You're dealing with stuff and you need to be strengthened. You know, you need to be strengthened. And he's wanting you to be strengthened that you ha- in your inner man. How do we do this? His prayer reflects that the strengthening of the inner man is through the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who strengthens you in your inner man. Who helps you. Because, well, it, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? So think about it. You're going through something. And, and maybe you get to a point where you're like, you know what, Sam, hey, I need to tell you, man, pray for me because I'm going through this and it's really wrecking havoc on my life. It's, it's just, I don't know how to handle it. I don't, I don't even know if I can go through another day. And, and uh, Sam says, oh yeah, I'll pray for you. Or Sam says, don't worry, bud, I've been there. You'll make it through. And, uh, or here's this one. Everybody goes through that. You'll be okay. (laughs) Do you really want to hear that one? You know what I'm saying? So, okay, but here's the thing. So I go and talk to him. So he's like, oh, yeah, I'll pray for you, George. Take care. But I walk away, I'm still not, what, satisfied. That didn't do anything. Maybe that was encouragement for the moment. But I'm still, what, a mess in my inner man, right? I'm still, I I even wrestle because, like, yeah, I know he said he's been through it. But he hasn't been through the same thing I'm going through right now. Do you know what I'm saying? Or he's trivializing it. Or he's downplaying it or whatever. He... What he's asking is, is God strengthen you in your inner man? Give you strength to get you through whatever it is that you're getting through. Do you understand? He's praying for strengthening of who you are in your inner man through the Spirit. So the next thing he prays about is their faith, okay? Verse 17, he says this, that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. Now, what do you think he means there? What do you think he means there? That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Okay, that's your faith in Christ grows. Okay, that's good, Tim. Anybody else? What do you think? Okay, I'm actually surprised because I thought some of you might say, well, it's talking about salvation. I thought some of you, because that's not what it's talking about, but I thought some of you would say that because we'll pray, when we share the gospel with people, we'll say, ask Jesus into your heart, okay? Which is not what you're doing in salvation, okay? Salvation is not asking Jesus to come into your heart. Do you understand? That's not going to save you. It's faith in who he is. Now, what Paul is talking about here is something completely different. Okay, so we've just talked about you being strengthened in the inner man. Now he's talking about your heart. Now, what does he, anybody know what he means by heart? 
Is it that big piece of muscle in your chest that's pumping your blood through your system right now? Well, your spirit, or to the Jew, it would be the essence of who you are, period. The whole you, okay? So what he's asking is, is that Christ may dwell in who you are, and the means of that happening is through what? It's through what? Faith. Now, faith isn't just simply a belief. Faith actually goes beyond belief to trust, commitment. Did you see what I'm saying? So when we say we have faith, we're talking about I have trusted, I have a commitment to. So he's saying here that is praying that Christ may dwell in the essence of who we are. Through faith, he's impacting me, okay? He's impacting me, all right? So, the word dwell conveys the idea of taking up permanent residence. That basically it's like God taking me over, like he's moving in. And that's impacting me. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's impacting me. So it's like God taking up permanent residence. Now, you know what that's like. So when somebody moves in with you, they impact your life, right? Or they only, you only see them every once in a while, right? No, no they live there. They're, they're impacting who you are, where you are, your resident. He wants Jesus to impact us by dwelling with us, being with us, okay? Now, the next one is about love. Look with me, verse 16. This goes through verse 19. So this is a big section of verses, but it's all talking about one thing, love. To be strengthened, all right, excuse me, verse 17, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and depth, excuse me, what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes all knowledge and then the next part we'll be look at here in a moment. So comprehension of Christ's love. So because they are rooted and grounded in love, he prays that they would comprehend God's love. All right, so here's the thing. Whether you realize it or not, you right now are rooted and grounded in love. Why? Who indwells you? The Holy Spirit. Who, so the Holy Spirit, one of the things he does is he fills you with the love of God. So you are rooted and grounded in love. It is because of the love of God that you realize that you have been saved. We talked about that in chapter 2. It's because of God's love that he reached out to us and changed us, right? Okay. So now what he's saying is, is that he's praying that we would comprehend it. So yes, we are, we are experiencing the result of that love. We're rooted and grounded in it. But he wants us to comprehend it. He wants us to go one step further than just the experience of us. He wants us to understand it. Because he knows that when we understand it, that's going to impact who we are. Did you understand what I'm saying? 
He wants you to do more than just take it for granted because a lot of us, let's be honest, we just take God's love for granted, right? We take it for granted because we just go do our own thing. Well, I'm okay, I'll be forgiven. Why? Because God loves me. Well, he wants you to comprehend what that love is. He wants you to really rest in it, ponder it, let it impact you, okay? So he wants you to comprehend, pray that you comprehend God's love. Here's the other thing he says about it. He wants them to comprehend this love with all the saints. So it's not just you individually. He wants you to comprehend it with every other believer. That you, would, together with everyone else, would comprehend the love of God together. Why? Because he just talked about when you got saved, you weren't just off on your own. You're part of a new community, right? And so he wants the new community to comprehend the love together. All right? Love together. Now, here's the thing. He wants them to comprehend what the vastness of God's love should be is, okay? He wants you to comprehend the vastness of God's love. Remember the height, the depth, the length, the width. He wants you to understand how great God's love is, there's, that there's no limit to it. I really think that's so important for us. Why? Because what do we do? First thing that comes out of our mouth. Well, maybe it comes out of my mouth. I'm going through it. God, do you love me? Have you said that? God, do you love me? Why am I going through this? Are you just pleased with me? God, do you love me? Yes, he loves you. You don't comprehend how much he loved you. You don't comprehend how much that love doesn't change. Do you know what I'm saying? He wants you to comprehend that love. You should never question whether or not God loves you. That's why he wants you to understand how big, how wide, how deep, how vast is the love of God. It doesn't change. And you can't change it. Man, that's one thing to comprehend. You can't change his love towards you. Blows my mind. You know what I'm saying? Because we live in a world where we deal with human beings and love changes, right? Love can change. People can change towards. Once they'll say, oh, I love you, but the next moment, I don't love you anymore. Why? Because that changes. With God, that doesn't change. His love for you is continuing, continues. There's a continuity to it, and it isn't based on you. He wants you to comprehend what the vastness of God's love is. Here's the other one. He describes the love of Christ as something beyond our understanding. Boy, isn't that true? He wants you to understand something that really I can't. I mean, have you ever thought back and you think if you're, okay, in your inner man, you're, you're alone, you're pondering, you're just kind of like, man. How can you love me? I'm a mess up, God. How can you love me? There is nothing in me that is lovable. How, how is it, God, that you can do that? Do you understand what I'm saying? 
So he's, he's wanting you to understand that this love is beyond our understanding. Now, isn't that interesting? So he ends up there with that you would understand the, the thing that is not understandable, but that's what he's praying for, is that you comprehend the love of God. What do you think he's asking for then? So he's, he's, at the end, he's saying, you're not going to be able to understand it. So why in the world do you think he's wanting us to comprehend it then? Anybody got a thought? I mean, that's what he's praying for, that you would comprehend God's love, how vast it is. But by the way, it's beyond our understanding. What's, what's he getting at there? Okay. Okay, that's good, Tim. Anybody else? Okay, he wants you to think about it, Bruce. Okay. What's that? Yes, it'll change you. Yeah, okay. One of the scriptures, do you guys remember the scripture? I, I, I remember being in, in Kenya and I was asked to do a uh, devotion for a children's class. And so my devotion was, taste and see that the Lord is good from the Psalms. And of course, I brought a bag of candy, you know, for the kids, you know, taste and see, you know, that the candy. But the Lord, taste and see. You've got to, he's wanting you to comprehend what's incomprehensible, but you've got to start. The only way you're going to know it is by what? Experiencing it, by pursuing it. That's really what he wants you to do. He wants you to pursue the incomprehensible. And is it going to take forever? That's what eternity is about, isn't it? Did you understand? Eternity is getting to know God forever and getting to know God's love forever. Do you understand? So that's what he's praying for. Man, that they would know the love and grace of God. Now, I think this is a great prayer request. Anybody know why this would be a great prayer request? What impact would this prayer request have on our church? Some of you are perplexed now. What are you getting at, George? How would this one prayer request right here, he's, we've looked at three now, this is the third one. How would this, and this is a big one, he spent a lot of verses on this. How would this impact our church if we focused on comprehending the vastness of God's love? How would that impact our church? Okay, that, that's good, Tim. Now, why do you say push away judgment? What, what is it about comprehending God's love that would push away judgment on us towards others? Okay, so would you agree with this statement then that because he would love me, warts and all, that should impact me so that I am more tolerant with others. Okay? Okay, the other people's warts. Yeah, that my warts may be bigger, but I think yours are gigantic even though it's small. Yes. Yeah, okay. 
All right, Sue. Okay, we would have to share it then, okay? Everybody agree with that one? If you, if you comprehend it, you want to share that, right? Okay, which is sharing the gospel then, right? Because you want to share with others about the Jesus who accepts and loves us, okay? That would impact us as well, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm very much a firm believer that, you know, of course I've been pastoring here 20 years, and I was up in Canada, eight miles away from where I pastored there for four years. And, and uh, I, uh, so I, I've met people through the years, plus being in church, you know, when I got saved up until the time I became a pastor. And, and you meet people, and there are different people there. You meet people that are very lovely and gracious with others. And then you meet people who can answer Bible questions, but they're just plain miserable to be around. Have you ever met people like that? And, and I've come to the conclusion, I wonder if they met with Jesus today. Why? Because if you meet with Jesus and understand how much he loves you, then I can't be condemning of somebody else because if he couldn't condemn me, and I know me, I need to be gracious towards them, Right? So I think it would impact us. So I can see this as a big question that Paul would, would, would be in. Have you not been in a church? I have been in churches that were on edge where everybody was critical of everyone else. And the one thing you noticed that was missing in a congregation like that is one word, love. And, and, but really at the heart of it, the one word that was there was pride. When you begin to comprehend the love of God, what does that do to your own pride? What's that? I hear, I hear mumbling. Yeah, it should humble you, which is what Paul, when he comprehends it, he what? He bows the knee in prayer. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Sam. The more we ponder on it, that it's incomprehensible, the stronger our relationship becomes. That's a good point, okay? A good point. So let's, let's go on. We're going to look at the fourth one here because we've got to get towards the end. He wants them, look at verse 19, the end of verse 19, that you may be filled with the fullness of God, okay? That you may be filled with the fullness of God. So Paul also prays that believers may be filled with the fullness of God. Now, what do you think that means? Okay, the love of God. Okay, yeah. Okay, that's good. That's a good thought. Mike? Okay, yes. If you are filled with it, it's going to keep you in closer to him. You're going to be focusing on the will of God. Okay. Anybody else? What do you think he's talking about when he says the fullness? Because in just a couple of chapters... He's going to tell you not to be drunk with wine, but be filled with who? The Spirit. So there is an equation here So the, that you be filled with the fullness of God. Who The Holy Spirit is God, right? Okay, he's the third person of the Trinity. 
He's really talking about that you and I be filled with the presence of God through the Holy Spirit. And that's something we should be striving for, right? So he's also praying for that. So now, this is where we're going to get into the passages that, the passage that is known as the doxology, okay? And we're not, go, we're not going to have me sing again, okay? Uh, or attempt to sing again. And you're like, praise God for that, George. Uh, but we are going to look at the doxology and work our way through it. So here's what he says, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's a doxology. So what are we looking at here? First of all, Paul directs his blessing to God. So he's given a praise. So this is a, this is a praise. All right? And so what is he doing? He is describing God here as being able to do beyond what we ask or think. So the first thing he does is, is he wants to praise the God who is able to do beyond what you ask or think. Now, once you look at that verse... He kind of draws it out, though, doesn't he? Because he could say, praise to God who does, what beyond, who, who does what we ask or think. That's not what he says, right? How does he describe God doing something for us here? He uses a couple of adjectives. He's able, what else? To do what? Beyond, because he uses two words here that describe the beyond. What? Exceedingly abundantly. So he's really describing here that God is able to do beyond what we ask or beyond what we think. That's something you and I got to hold on to. Okay. Now that word think can also be translated dream. Man, I'm a, I cannot tell you, I, I, I could probably count them on one hand. There have been times where I, I mean, it wasn't like I had a time with God, but I'm kind of going throughout the day. I kind of go throughout the day and kind of interact with God throughout the day. And uh, sometimes I'll have a thought pop in my brain and it's like a dream. Oh, that would be great if God could take care of that. Yeah. Be great, Lord, if you took care of that. And I'm not talking to him. I'm just thinking that. I'm, I'm just imagining. You guys imagine? Hopefully you're a human being, right? A human beings imagine. You ever, you ever imagine a thought where, God, yeah, you know, God would be great. But I'm not formally praying, you know what I'm saying? And then, man, within 24 hours, boom, God answers it beyond what I even thought. And I'm like... Wow, God. I didn't even, I didn't even, quote, come and make the request. You just kind of peered in on my personal conversation with myself. And you knew this is what he's talking about here. 
to the God who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond what you ask, verbally ask, or think, word can also be translated, dream. That's who your God is. Isn't that awesome? That's who he's given a praise to, okay? So God is able to do this according to the power that works in all believers. So how's he able to do this? Notice what it says there. He says in verse 20, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. First of all, what does he mean by the power that works in us? There's a power that's working in you. What is that? Holy Spirit. So according to the working of the Holy Spirit in your life, God's able to answer these prayers beyond what you ask or think. Have faith. Trust him. Walk with him. Isn't it, this is awesome, isn't it? This is, this is what is so amazing about God. That's why these two verses are very important. So Paul describes glory to God in the church by Jesus Christ forever and ever. Amen. You know what I'm saying? So this is what we're seeing here. So here's what I want you to do. If you got your Bible, put a big asterisk or highlight those two verses because sometimes you just need to go back and look at those verses because you're like, man, God, can you handle this? Boom, open up chapter 3 of Ephesians. Yo, you are able to do beyond this. What I even ask, and I'm looking to you, Lord. You're the God. Give you praise, okay? Give you praise. 